Welcome to the Harrisburg Brethren Christ Church Podcast. My name is Ryan Cagno. The HPIC Podcast brings you weekly episodes on the topic of discipleship, where we'll sit down with members of the HPIC family to hear their stories, hear about the different ways people at HPIC are pursuing discipleship. In other words, how they are learning to follow Jesus' example and obey his teachings in their daily lives in practical ways. This week, I was able to sit down with both Wanda and Glenn Heisey uh, and hear about a pretty large swath of their life, uh, focused especially around uh, their move to Harrisburg, uh, raising their two daughters in Harrisburg City Schools, some of the challenges and some of the many blessings and lessons that came from that experience for them as a family. Uh, I hope it's inspiring and convicting for you as we all think about uh, what it means to be faithful where God has us, um, to be faithful neighbors, and to work for the good of the city, uh, as Jeremiah 29 says. So um, hope you enjoy and, and are blessed and edified by this episode. Have a good week. Wanda, Glenn, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Thanks. We are live and on the airwaves. We are need well, we're on the airwaves. We are not live. Uh, <laughs> it, it's great to be with you. Um, I wanted to start off hearing um, some of your story um, about how you got to Harrisburg and, you know, raising your children here and and some of that. So kick the ball into your corner. Um, What brought you guys to Harrisburg? Messiah College. Basically, both of us grew up away from Harrisburg. I grew up in Ohio, and I wanted to tell her story, but I went to Messiah, and um, then while I was in Messiah, was part of the Inner City Committee, which was a group of students that were interested in the city, and um, so we made some field trips in. Uh, I can't remember much of what we actually did, but it did con- it grew my interest in the city, and then... Um, we can fill in the, the rest later, but that got me into the general geographic area okay. and interested in the city. Yeah, and you also worked in New York City. You worked in New York City for a couple summers. And I went to nursing school in the city, so I went to um, Harrisburg Hospital. Um, that was sort of my first foray into the city, although it wasn't very far in because we were pretty sheltered in a nursing school. Um but at the time we moved here, we were kind of returning from um, a stint overseas and needed housing. And a bunch of our friends from Messiah had moved to the city. And one of them knew of a HUD house that was available. And we were still struggling to find well, Glenn was working on getting into med school, but we had two kids. We had no jobs. And so a HUD house sounded pretty good. It was real cheap. What is a HUD house? Um, housing and urban development. At the time, it was a, a rundown house that the, the government would provide basic utilities like plumbing, heating, roof, make sure those things were working. And um, you put a bid on it, and we got it. It was it was pretty. Um, it was a very adequate house. It was on Holly Street, and it was within a couple blocks of several families that were 
part of the church and within walking distance of our church at that time on Chestnut Street. Okay. So that's what got us, got me here. It wasn't that I made a big decision to come in, but it was very appealing to be near friends. Okay. That were very definitely. Part of the church. And the price was right. The minimum bid was 8950 and we really wanted to house. So we bid 9500 and we found out later we were the only bid. We were so sorry we left 550 on the table. Should have, should have bid $6,000. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, most of, play, most of my living decisions have been <laughs> dictated by whether or not I could afford it. So I understand yeah. very much. Um, so these were friends from Messiah College that had right. also mm-hmm. settled in Harrisburg and yep. stuff like that. And was it a um, was it rewarding? Was it comfortable? Was it challenging? Um, you know, what was your experience like back then? This was the seventies. This would have been the seventies. It was both. Um, first of all, the house didn't come through as fast as we needed. So we ended up living with some people from, um, the church, Luke Kiefer Jr. and his wife, Doris, we lived with them for several months, uh, which was very community. Um, yeah, part of the community. And, um, it was comfortable in that we could walk to church there were wednesday night meals we helped cook we did lots of stuff as a very small church but a community um it was uncomfortable in that i'd never lived in the city um i grew up in lancaster county in rural lancaster county in a small town as a preacher's kid um and living there I was not used to the diversity, but I was very interested in it. Um, got involved somewhat with Crime Watch on our block when various crimes happened. <laughs> but it was a very bonding experience and fun to get to know neighbors that way and work together on projects and have street fairs. And 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 then just stayed put um, at the point, well... You want you want to talk about getting into med school, and we were sure. Okay, yeah. go ahead. Okay, the uh, when we first moved in, the girls were not in school, and I was doing some work at uh, what was then Polyclinic Hospital. Uh, I had applied for medical school, had not gotten in the first year as I was finishing up some work at Messiah, long after graduating, and then. Um, during that year, I reapplied, and I got accepted at first at a school in Philly, and we didn't want to move. We didn't want to have a long-distance marriage, and uh, the Lord provided that I was put on the wait list at Hershey, and then um, within the last month before classes started, I Two got weeks. word. <laughs> <laughs> Two weeks before. You can tell that part of the story. Our kids had... Chicken pox, our girls, they were like two and four. And I was in charge of kids' games for a Sunday school picnic and went to the picnic, and Glenn stayed home with the girls. And no cell phones back then. And somebody pulled into the picnic and said, you're supposed to call Glenn immediately. And I thought, surely one of my kids had died. So I ran to find a payphone 
uh, got stung by a bee on the way and <laughs> found the payphone and called. And what he wanted me to wanted to tell me was that he had been accepted at Hershey. And it was two weeks from the day he started. And it was such an answer to prayer. Mm. It was so mm-hmm. confirming, affirming. Of, Once your heart rate had come down. Oh, bit, my yeah. goodness, yes. <laughs> so that was sort of confirmation that we needed to be here. And then I became really protective of keeping the kids in city schools and keeping them there. I felt strongly about city schools because... Yeah, tell me about that. Why? A lot of the kids didn't have educational backgrounds that Glenn and I had that could support them through the city schools. And I also felt for the teachers, there were a lot of teachers that didn't feel very supported. So when we started, the kids were minorities all the way through. They were white, and the majority of the kids were other nationalities. Um, but having started from from kindergarten, they knew each other, and they all knew we had lots of stories we could tell about (laughs) their times in school. But I became um, a room parent or volunteered when I could throughout the years of school. I was not working full-time at all. Um, At one point, for about five years while they were in school, I did work as a substitute school nurse, so I could take jobs or not take jobs when it suited. And I got to know teachers in various schools, um, participated in um, the parent-teacher organization with varying experiences. But one I particularly remember was working with the teachers in the third to fifth or sixth grade ages in one school, and we had a teacher appreciation week. And that week, our organization took something in each day for the teachers, whether it was donuts or apples or a little figurine or something. And they were so, so touched by that. And it just made me realize how much teachers in the school district need affirmation. And maybe teachers everywhere, but particularly with the, um, the difficulty, a lot of the parents were not supportive of the teachers in the city. And it was it was a hard job, and so I really all those little events helped me to feel like it was the place we needed to be. And in the process, we were able to get to know um, where the where the kids where we wanted the kids in which classrooms, and you know we knew the administrators, and so they they had a really good experience in the city it wasn't perfect there were some hard times but they were educated well and um they learned a lot in in the process and i can't say it's for everyone i I never felt that i think our kids had a a group of kids that they were close to with similar values including a catholic family down our block that was very family oriented and We had a lot in common, and all of the parents of kids with similar values were supportive of each other and our kids. Yeah, a lot of the stories from the school years are Wanda's because for the first seven years, there was, she was a single parent for most of the time. As I was in med school for four years and then three years of residency, so I was most of the time tied up away from the home 
she was involved with the girls and with their school and so forth. I really appreciated and felt strongly that it was desirable for the kids to be in public city schools if it was possible. But I want to echo what Wanda said. It's not necessarily for everyone. I felt like our girls fared better than than some people might have been uh, not in part, in strong part, because of their friends with similar values, but also um, they were gifted academically, and because of that designation, they were in classes where most of the kids did not have behavioral issues or other issues, and so it was a much better learning environment than if they had been in a class with kids where there was more disruption and teachers had to spend more time just managing behavior. For sure. And then I also think, and I'm not sure this is correct, but I also thought that maybe it was easier for them because they were girls. I think yeah, for I the boys there was um, much more um, pressure to be aggressive, to, to deal with, yeah. with uh, conflict physically and fighting and so forth. And I think that for our girls, there was less pressure to, to do that. Yeah, that, that was some of what we've thought over the years, that the girls that went through together really did well. Mm. Yeah. I, I'm curious just to unpack a little bit more the value that you guys held behind that. You said it was important for you that your girls be in a city public school. You know, to this day, I, I'm projecting a little bit back into the 70s because I was... I was not alive yet, but um, it wasn't even a twinkle in my parents' eye, but I hope not. Um, you know, but today even, you know, and I grew up in, in Harrisburg, in the greater Harrisburg area, where often, you know, the city, like the district is spoken of in hushed tones or with trepidation, or there's a lot of efforts to not be in the district, you know what I mean, yeah. um, for a variety of reasons. And you guys are certainly being gracious and saying it's it's not for everyone, et cetera. Granted that, you know, what was, um, can you explain to me more the value that you guys came into it with of wanting that for your girls? Why? I felt like when we first moved in that we were to be the salt and light of the city. That was kind of in the background of my thinking. There were days that, I wasn't sure we could get through the district, but um, we could give our kids um, some experiences outside of the city that not everybody could give their kids. So if we had the opportunity for kids to get to know us and us to get to know them um, and enlarge their worlds, and I think the thing that changed in my mind over the years was I thought we were coming to be the salt and light and ultimately I learned so much more I'm sure they didn't learn nearly as much about me but um and it, it's it's still one of my values that I I hope that I can continue to be part of people's lives that are different than mine yeah I I echo that I think that initially 
our thought was missional, we can, to use the phrase, be salt and light. And th there was an evolution there. Um, in the end, and, and as I look back, I'm really glad that our girls had that educational experience for them. Um, and they didn't, know, they didn't get, they didn't get a, a Harvard quality education. <laughs> I don't think they would have gotten into, I don't know if they'd have gotten into Ivy League schools, but fortunately that wasn't a family value at that point. We weren't looking for that and they weren't looking for and, that. In, in my opinion, um, it, it's possible for a person to learn math or English or any, name the school subject anywhere, anytime, uh, if they, you know, if they have an opportunity. There was a lot that we could teach the girls at home. Just, you know, it's, I love math and I'd be giving them little quizlets, you know, hey, what do you think? You know, how, you know, if I give you this series of numbers, what's the next number? And we had fun with that. And, and so they were learning that kind of thing outside of school, but things that I could, we could never teach them were things like getting along with people who were different than themselves, culturally, racially, in terms of, you know, nationality for Absolutely. many people. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they got an education that they could never have gotten in a in an all-white school Certainly. or in a private school. Do you want a little story? Please. <laughs> One of our funny stories was that our kids went to kindergarten, and Jen, our younger, was in kindergarten. And one day she came home from school, and she said um, the kids were paying her to be their friend. And I was panic-stricken. What on earth was going on? Because she was the only white kid in the class. And it, I talked to the, I called the teacher and I had to try to find out what was going on. It turned out that she was giving the kids stickers and they were giving her their leftover lunch money. And I was sure that this meant she was going to be a prostitute. And I didn't know what on earth I was going to do <laughs> to stop this. It's a bit of a jump. But <laughs> That's the kind of mother I was. <laughs> but anyway, you know, there were things like that that came up. And, and you know, Jen had a great relationship with these kids. And mm. the teacher did a great job of helping us through that. Mm. <laughs> and she no longer took money to become friends. <laughs> she learned how to hustle. That's okay. Um, I, I think you, you're putting your finger on something really interesting, which is... Um, you know, I think so often when we're thinking about our children's education, we boil it down to academic outcomes. It's, you know, kind yeah. of your point of, but, you know, kids can learn math. They can't learn um, familiarity with um, different cultures or just yes. the experience of being immersed in different cultures or with being a minority mm -hmm. um, yeah. in, in, a, in a place, you know. Um, that's something I've thought about with my daughter. Um, you know, I didn't... Um, I didn't go to Harrisburg School District. I went to um, Central Dolphin East High School, mm -hmm. so um, just across the way of yeah. from 29th Street. But, um, 
but nevertheless, you know, was able to experience, you know, um, this incredibly diverse school district. Absolutely. Um, especially now uh, it's gotten much more diverse even than when I was in it. Um, and I've grown to appreciate what that gave me. I don't think I really realized it until I was in seminary hmm. and was around a lot of well-meaning white liberals who uh, had high like diversity values and had clearly also only ever like lived and existed in white spaces. Um, people whom I love, but yeah. that was the first time when I really realized like, Oh, like, you know, you know, there's a level at which like I, I was given a, a gift in, yeah. you know, my upbringing <laughs> that they weren't. Yeah. Um, so it's great to hear how, you know, even as you thought, um, we're going to come in here and be salt and light and be on mission. And I'm sure there was, uh, uh, it, which is commendable, and there were absolutely ways in which you blessed, but to also recognize the gift that your girls and that you guys were given. And we did absolutely. not know we were giving at that time or they were getting. Mm -hmm. I, that isn't, wasn't, I wasn't aware of how much. The, the other thing I thought of when you said um, sort of, uh, or what I was thinking of as un- expected things with our older daughter Angie um, there was a, a year in high school where they were giving awards to the top boy and girl student in each grade mm. and she was in ninth grade and all the kids getting awards were minority or majority in the school district and she knew that she was the ninth grade girl, but they did not give her an award. And the teachers said that it was a prejudicial thing. The principal had not wanted to. And dealing with that kind of unjust feeling was, I think, an incredible gift that we had to deal with as parents and for her, and I would love for you to be able to ask her where she has come out on all of that, because um, that was powerful to feel injustice in that way, mm -hmm. which as white people, we never right. experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's such a novel thing when it happens. Right? Absolutely. Um, to us, but yeah. that in of itself and is very aggravating and right. angering and... <laughs> what to do with all that. And I, I've thought of that many times when I think about people that live with that every day. Right. That's the water they swim in, right? Yeah. Um, so speaking of Angie and Jen, um, how have you seen then, like, their upbringing, you know, growing up in Harrisburg, if at all, um, how is it, like, conditioned where they've ended up or what fruit is it born in their lives in the long term, would you say? It's a question I have asked, you know, well, first of all, they both live overseas, so why? And and I've asked that, you know, first thing I think is, what did I do wrong? <laughs> and, then, and then when I get over that, um, I've, I've wondered about their ability to be comfortable with different cultures, if that's been part of it. Um, What's fascinating to me is that that group of girls that went through the high school together, um, some of them are doing unusual things like t 
teaching Spanish and, and working in a Spanish-speaking school, or um, one of them was really focused on racial justice and um, those kinds of things that I feel like mainstream people aren't usually drawn to. And so made me think that there may have been something in the school experience that drew these kids um, into careers and ideas that were um, comfortable with a worldview, global things. Hmm. So that's one of my thoughts. Yeah, I think, I think that it did influence them, um, both in terms of their interests and in terms of their um, their feelings, or I don't know if I should say philosophy of life. That sounds a little too heavy, but um, I think they're both comfortable in culturally mixed settings. That want to mention the the girls that were their friends, and you know, one lived for a while on the West Bank and, and work there. Um, uh, one a couple have married, um, have interracial marriages. I can think of four of them that do. Yeah. And, and, yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's just a sort of a difference than, for instance, anything I, that they would have experienced if I would have practiced medicine with my dad in rural Western Ohio where, Everyone was white. And I refused to go. <laughs> I don't want to throw any shade on the great state of Ohio. So I'll just refrain. Um, but we'll leave that in that Wanda said that. Um, we'll explore that in another episode. Um, I, I, I commend you. I think, um, I think it's relevant to discipleship, the choice that you guys made. I think forming, uh, relative to the formation of your daughters in Christ, hopefully, that they're able to, um, you know, <laughs> exercise their giftings and be who they are across cultures in a variety of ways. To, you know, I, I think it's a, a measure of what you did as parents that, you know, it's not something you did wrong, Wanda, that, you're, that your <laughs> girls are, are far afield doing these different things. I think that's exactly what you would, as painful as it is to the distance, I'm sure, to see that um, and to see what they're doing and have done. I think it's a, it's a great thing. The thing Go ahead. I was just going to say, the thing that I think as I look back, it wasn't something that I or we set out to do. It, it evolved and I think along the way, there were those times when I felt God's affirmation. Um, but I certainly could not have foreseen any of what all happened and how it happened. One of the things that I think is important to know is that uh, I, at least, was not always salt and light. Um, I'm thinking of a specific example when in middle school, uh, one of our daughter's teachers, we were quite frustrated with her. Uh, uh, Angie was coming home and saying, you know, I did my homework, and then the teacher found out that a lot of the kids didn't do the homework. So she said, well, you, you, just do it tomorrow. 
And, and Angie's question was, why should I do my homework now? You know, just, it's, it's not important to do it now because we'll get another day or two. And then I got permission to go and sit in the class and just observe. I was not sensitive at all uh, to many of the pressures that all of those teachers are under. One of the things that I did when I was there is I thought, well, I'll learn to know the names of the kids. And so when a teacher would call on someone or something, I'd write down their name. I found out later when the principal called me and said, I need to talk to you, that the teacher thought I was taking critical notes. Mm. And, and in fact, I had written a letter to the school board and tried to keep it anonymous, but everyone figured out both who I was writing about and who was writing the letter. And, and it was very critical. And, and so that was, that was not good at all. And looking back on it even shortly afterwards, I could see how many things I did wrong. My attitude was overly critical, it wasn't supportive, and, and a whole bunch of things. Uh, so I certainly was not perfect as a father of a student in the school district. And, you know, I think that there were probably many smaller times when the Lord was gracious to us in spite of us. Well, I think in spite we, of me. we sort of stuck out as white parents in the school district. And so we were... I mean, I think there were frustrations. Glenn reacted to a, a real frustration, and trying to figure out what to do about those things was often the issue. Um, I had times I ended up speaking to the uh, superintendent, and then they wanted me to be on a committee for curriculum and this and that, and those weren't the things that I was most interested in. So trying to figure out where to fit in or what to do and what not to do and how to solve our immediate problems versus the big picture and the long-term problems that the school has, the city has. Um, I don't feel like I came out of that knowing what the city needs. I probably have more questions than answers out of the whole experience because it's a huge complex of problems. Currently, I'm working with CASA, the Dauphin County Court-Appointed Special Advocates for kids that are in dependency court um, for one reason or another. Um, and I see a whole nother side of what um, kids are dealing with and teachers are up against with kids in school and just loved going to school yesterday with my one kid who had a birthday and getting to talk to a teacher who's been frustrated and walked the kid to his class after he had eloped. <laughs> he was seven years old yesterday and he, um, went back to class and did what he wouldn't do for her because I was there. For an hour, I could do that, and he would cooperate. And she was just so appreciative. And I think, oh, if only there was someone to be with her and these kids every day. 
and you know I don't know how that would work but mm -hmm. <laughs> there's just so much need and so so many problems well and there is someone that's with her some days yeah pastor Cedra's in there sometimes mm -hmm. um I don't know that how much time she spends with each class but she's she's there to help support the teachers so yeah so this is our there's informal a lot of plug room. for yeah know, beyond subbing or anything else there's a lot of opportunity to go into the district and and make a little support. difference yeah yeah, yeah. Well, i appreciate your stories i appreciate your hearts i mean your humility shines through in this and just um praise god for the ways that faithfulness that evolves or is accidental or is just you know fraught with mistakes mm -hmm. and stumbling along the way that nonetheless can yep. bear fruit um some that we see and a lot that we may never but that's not right. necessarily the point right you know in the face of of any number of challenges just to be faithful and um do what little bit we can so appreciate it appreciate the time thank you both <laughs>